So, guys, back in my younger years, I spent a lot of time in server rooms. Um, mostly Lieberts, mostly CompuWares that I was working on. I still spend a fair bit of time now, but not as much as I used to back then. Now, inside these units, there's um, electrical heaters. Now, back in those days, I thought those heaters were there to heat the room back up if it got too cold. If the cooling overshot the set point. But that's not at all what it's for. Because it's a server room. There's server racks, there's computers, there's electronic equipment in that room. That heat load in that room is enough to bring the room back up. That's why we need cooling in there in the first place. So these heaters are not to heat the room back up. They're for dehumidification. And that's what I'm going to talk about on this podcast coming up. Some ways that I've encountered reheating air in the dehumidification mode. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. HVAC Know-It-All is sponsored by Viper Big Blue Soap Bubbles, Testo AC and Refrigeration Smart Probes, the Yellow Jacket Omni Vacuum Gauge, and as always, guys, save 8% off your purchase at truetechtools.com using promo code KNOWITALL at checkout. That's K-N-O-W-I-T-A-L-L. This podcast is sponsored by Field Pulse. So back when I used to do these maintenances in server rooms, I'd walk in, I'd do my usual filters, belts, check the pulleys, the bearings, the fan wheels, contactors. I'd bang the cooling on, turn on the humidification, and then I'd get to the heaters. And what I would do is I'd turn the set point way up on the machine. And the heaters would come on. I would check them with my amp probe, make sure they were drawing amperage. That's how I would check to make sure they were function, functioning properly. You could also smell them come on. Now, heaters accumulate dust over time. And when you fire them up, that dust burns off. So you can smell that dust. It's funny because there's a server room I, I work in um, quite often. And when I'm in there, and I fire up the heaters. There's usually a couple of people working in there, like changing out racks or, or doing whatever. But I always watch them when I turn those heaters on. And it's, it's actually quite hilarious. I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people and how they react and their expressions. And when I turn those heaters on, okay, I start to smell that burning dust. And I know it's okay. I know it's fine because I'm in that room all the time. I experience it. But you should see the people in that room. They're, they start to look around. They start to smell. <laughs> they look at you. They, look, they, they don't know what's going on, right? They walk out of the room. Then they'll come back with two other people. And they'll start questioning me. Happens every single time. But it's just the dust burning off the heaters. And it's a good thing to do it. Because if that room has fire suppression, if it has all the bells and whistles, smoke alarms, you name it, you want to burn that dust off each and every maintenance because you don't want that dust burning off and accumulating when you're not there and setting off the fire alarm. Now, in the server rooms I work in, we always bypass the fire alarm because we know we're going to be doing that. We don't want that fire suppression system going off. So guys, when you're doing maintenance on these server room units that have heaters, 
always burn that dust off and always bypass the fire alarm before you do it. So that's the way I checked those heaters. But what I should have done was I should have been checking dehumidification as well. That's one thing I never did. I never turned the humidification set point down below the actual in the room to bang on that dehum. Now, how do we dehumidify? Well, we need to turn the compressors on or compressor, depending how the unit's set up. And we need to get that evaporator coil cold. When it's cold, we grab the moisture from the air. It sticks to it. It runs down the into the pan and out the drain. And we've gotten rid of that moisture. That's great. But as we get closer to set point, that room's going to get colder and colder and colder. But what if we haven't reached the dehumidification set point once the room hits the temperature set point? Are we going to keep overcooling the room to get to get the humidity down? No. We're going to bang on the heaters. That's why they're called reheats. Air quotes. Reheats. So we reheat that room back up while running the compressors. That's how we dehumidify. We have to run cooling, get rid of the moisture, and then we have to heat the air back up. All right? But if the set point is way out of whack, if you're 10 degrees above your set point, in the room, let those compressors run. You know what I mean? That's what's going to happen. They're going to run until we get to that set point. So if if, if your dehum set point and your temperature set point line up at the end, then that's fine. But it's when we start dropping below the set point, that's when we worry and that's when those heaters come back on to reheat the air in the room. Do you ever pull into the supplier and see that one tech's truck just bombarded with paper? If you're that tech, yeah, we're talking about you. Guys, Field Pulse has a solution for you. Go paperless. Start your 14-day free trial at fieldpulse.com forward slash HVACKNOWITALL or head to my website, HVACKNOWITALL.COM. Scroll down to the sponsor link on the homepage and you can start your 14-day free trial there as well. So it was about six or seven years ago, one of our customers was building a brand new facility, big warehouse that was going to be responsible for storing pharmaceutical products. Well, at least a portion of the warehouse. Now, in order to control the climate in this warehouse, there were seven 20-ton York rooftops landed. Somewhere along the lines, it was discovered that the customer's clientele that were bringing the products to store in the warehouse, they needed that warehouse to be controlled um, as far as humidity goes. Not so much controlling the amount of humidity that we pump in, like not humidifying the space, but dehumidifying the space. We had to remove humidity to keep that level down. So four of the rooftops, the ones on the perimeter, they got removed and four brand new dehumidification rooftops got landed. Now, the cool thing about it is these were York rooftops. When the new ones went in, they were the same physical size. The curb didn't have to be changed. They looked the same, but they had dehumidification capabilities. Now, how did they do that? Well, 
Same thing as before on the Lieberts. We have to bring those compressors on to cool that coil, get the coil cold, remove the moisture on the coil and dump it out the drain. But heating the air back up. Now these York rooftops did not have electric heaters. Something different. Basically what they did was it went into dehumidification mode. It would bypass the condenser on the outside. Totally bypassed it. Okay. In the evaporator section, there were two coils, one in front of the other. The first one was the evaporator. The second one was the reheat coil. So we would bypass the condenser on the outside of the system, on the outside of the rooftop, and pump that gas through the coil in front of the evaporator. That was our reheat coil slash condenser. From there, the gas went up back through the TX valve into the evaporator. Pretty cool system, to be honest with you. And it works really, really well. So one thing, if you guys have seen these units or if you haven't, there's a couple modes you can put them in. And we didn't know this at first because we didn't put the dehumidification rooftops up there. Somebody else did. And we were getting calls that the levels of humidity were too high in the space. So I went and looked at it with a coworker, and we found that there's two modes of uh, dehumidification. One is a standard mode, and basically it runs one compressor during dehum. When I say dehum, I mean dehumidification. And the other mode is called alternative. And basically, when you set it to alternative mode, anytime it goes into dehumidification, it runs two compressors at once. When we run two compressors at once, we get that full evaporator nice and cold and we're removing moisture from both circuits instead of just one. And then we reheat that air back up to maintain the temperature set point. It works really, really well. And it's funny because you know when the thing's in dehumidification mode because you can go up to the condenser and if you feel the air coming out the top of the fans, it's not hot. There's no difference and temperature between the air going in and the air leaving. That's how you know. And the other thing, the other way you know is that the P-trap, the amount of water that comes out of that thing when it's in dehumidification is unreal. It's like Niagara Falls. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. Massive puddle underneath it. So that's another way to reheat is by diverting the hot gas and having a separate coil set up in front of the evaporator so you can reheat that air back up using hot gas. So on to the next critical environment and the next piece of equipment that I take care of that dehumidifies. Now, this piece of equipment, it serves a laboratory and it also serves the hallway outside the laboratory. Now, when I first took over this building, man, like eight years ago probably now, I'd walk through the hallway and in the hallway, there was three walk-in coolers. The doors were flush with the hallway, but they were kind of built into the wall. Um, the windows on the walk-in coolers, they were always sweating. And in the lab, they had some portable dehumidifiers. They were doing a half-assed job, but they weren't doing the job like it should. So 
we started to look into the problem. First problem I found was that this was an engineered error up on the roof. The dehumidification wasn't even set up correctly. So if they went to that dehum stat in the room and they turned it, they turned it to bring the dehumidification on, it wasn't coming on. It wasn't set up right. Now, it was controlled by a BAS, or it was supposed to be anyway, but it wasn't coming on correctly. It wasn't coming on at all, sorry, I should say. And the other thing I found was that the return air was capped off. And the return air was capped off because this was an engineered air, and they were kind of using it as a makeup air because there's uh, four fume hoods inside the lab venting constantly all the time. So they had to make up that air somehow, but they were sacrificing on the humidity level. So what was what was more important? If you put the two on the scale, what was more important? The pressure in the building or the humidity level in the building? Well, when it was put on the scale, the humidity level was far more important. It's for the equipment, for the tests they're, uh, they're doing in the lab. It's way more important than the pressure in the lab. So we started looking into this. The dehumidification wasn't set up correctly, and the return air was capped off to bring in all outside air. So we uncapped that return air. So now we have return air going back to the machine from the building, and we set up the dampers a little differently. We have way less outside air coming in, probably about 15%, and we're returning more from the, the space. So the way this unit works is it has five compressors. In dehumidification mode, according to the uh, procedure in the manual, all five compressors are, are supposed to come on. So we had to rewire the unit with a relay and some other nifty stuff we did to bring all five compressors on at once. Okay. Um, now there's a secondary board in that machine that controls the reheat. Now the way the reheat works in this machine is that it's gas fired and it modulates. So the engineered air works off discharge air, discharge air sensor. So all five compressors come on, all right, and it's a very, very thick coil. Now, you see a lot of thick coils in makeup airs because you really only have one chance to get rid of that moisture or cool that air in one shot in a makeup air, 100% makeup air. But we kind of changed this around, so this was going to work in our favor, this thick coil. So the coil was thick. We had five compressors. We turned them all on at once, okay? We were removing... Tons of moisture, a lot. P-trap again, like Niagara Falls, but we had to reheat that air back up. So there was a board in that machine, okay, that recognizes when it's in dehumidification, and it fires on the heat, and it modulates the heat as per the discharge air sensor. So that's the way it's... That's the way we dehumidify it in this room, is with modulating gas. Not electrical, not diverting hot gas, but gas-fired and modulating it. And that also works very, very well when it's working correctly. We've had some problems with it 
where the board wasn't sensing the signal back from the sensor properly and it was going out of whack. It would reheat the air too much and the room would overheat. And they'd have to open up doors. We had a lot of problems with this unit, um, but it may have been lack of maintenance from the past contractor that was in the building. That's the reason why we got the building is because they were having so much problems with this makeup air. And we went in and we solved all the problems. And hey, it's been history ever since. That's what good contractors do. They take a problem, they look at it from different angles, and they solve it for the customer. And if you don't solve the problem, you're probably not going to last very long. But if you go into buildings over and over and over again and solve problems, a lot of times they're not going to care what you're charging. They'll care, but they're, if somebody comes in and charges $5 less, but you're in there already and you're solving all their problems, they're going to tell that person charging $5 less to go to hell. Simple and plain. All right. And it's happened in that building. And I know this from experience. So we've looked at three ways we, we dehumidify or reheat the air when we dehumidify. But just remember, you need that compressor on or compressors to get rid of that moisture. Then we reheat the air. We've, we've talked about electric reheats. We've talked about diverting hot gas to another coil in front of the evaporator. And we've talked about gas-fired modulating. So those are the three ways you can reheat the air back up. And some of you, or a lot of you, may have seen this out in the field. So you guys that have lived in a cold climate, or live in one, or have visited a cold climate, you'll notice that if you're driving the vehicle in front of you in the wintertime, you can see the exhaust fumes leaving the back of their tailpipe. Now, why is that? Well, that's because the moisture in that exhaust, once it hits that cold air, it instantaneously condenses into the air. That's because cold air does not hold moisture very well. Same if you look at a, a picture on a wall of a city. The city skyline has a bunch of factories in it. Those factories, they have stacks, and those stacks... We have clouds above them. That's because that moisture leaving those stacks is hitting that air and condensing instantaneously, creating that cloud. So the owner of my company, he walked into our Monday morning meeting in the boardroom one day and performed a pretty cool visual experiment. Now, he walked in with three cups, a large cup, a medium cup, and a small cup. The large cup represented hot air. The medium cup represented mild air, and the, the smaller cup, the third one, represented cold air. Now, the large cup was half filled with water. There was a lot of room to hold more, more moisture if needed. So he took that water, poured it into the medium cup, which is mild air, and that cup was almost full. There was a little bit of room to hold more moisture, but not a lot. Then he took that water from the medium cup and poured it into the small cup. And guess what? The water overflowed onto the table. That cold air couldn't hold any more moisture. It's the same concept when you're looking at a tailpipe with a cloud. That moisture is hitting the air and condensing out of the air instantaneously because the air can't hold it. It's saturated. 
because cold air can't hold moisture very well. So I thought that was a cool little uh, visual experiment that he performed for us. And that's something I'll always remember. And it's a good way to explain the temperature relationship between temperature and percent RH. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you stay safe. And as always, happy HVACing.